Hello, friends. Welcome back. On today's episode of Life After High School, I sit down with Mr. Troy Beauregard to talk about strength and conditioning, exercise, nutrition, setting your goals, and how to achieve that professional level of work ethic. And also, we go into mental health, how he went from deadlifting 700 pounds, training Olympic champions, world champions, professional hockey players, the who's who, you name it. Troy's resume is long. I cannot wait for you guys to hear this episode. So without further ado, Troy. It's the Life After High School Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Troy? Guys, welcome back. Um, I'm super excited to talk to you, uh, especially you, because I find whenever I talk to people like you, they have a very gratitude-driven tone in their voice. And they seem very appreciative and have a different enthusiasm for how they approach life and what they do. And I'm excited to get into that. So if we could start almost at the beginning of where your kind of transition was like leaving high school or beginning of post-secondary and what that was kind of like for you. And then take us to how we are now. Sure. Um, so <laughs> it was pretty much a normal transition for me, to be honest. I went from being a job just trying to figure out what the hell that I was going to do, yeah. you know, um, had an opportunity to go play uh, university ball, but back in the day, uh, there was no scholarships, and there oh. was no way that was going to happen, yeah. you know, just financially, of course, looking back on it, you know, hindsight is always at 2020, 20. yeah. but uh, I should have just taken the jump anyways and went, so uh, I stayed uh, pretty local when I went to college yeah. here in, uh, at Cambrian. Um, that was pretty much a transition. I went from trying to figure out that athletics was probably not gonna be my uh, my game changer. I was not. I was the world's okayest football player. <laughs> so um, so I just developed some tools along the way that yeah. got me better at it throughout uh, high school, and then uh, translated that into staying in the, in the world of fitness. So nice. And what's kind of been the drive for you to work in the fitness industry in itself because now you're you're professional yeah <laughs> now you work with everybody so well, how did that kind of stem out of that so that came from um big backstory was nice. when i was uh i was born premature in the 70s and that was as small as i was it was pretty much a death sentence you know um i had uh low levels of oxygen affected the right side of, uh, left side of my brain, right side of my body. So I'm blind in one eye. Uh, so my right eye, I don't see anything out of. It hit tracks, but like it comes with it. So it's, a long, it's like a passenger, it's along for the ride. That's about it. Uh, <laughs> okay. yeah. um, like and fine, mo- <laughs> fine motor skills as well were affected. Oh, like man. knife and fork when I was a teenager was hard to, to manipulate. So instead of like using knife and fork, I would move everything together because I just couldn't get it. You know, just yeah. things like that. So, and the doctor had told my parents that uh, no uncertain terms, uh, in, and I quote, uh, they said, uh, don't get too attached, he's not going to live past five years old. So, um, my, my dad being the, the man's man that he was, the, it was the whole idea was to shield me against everything, right? That was my mom's first mm-hmm. intention. No, um, you got to just protect him against everything. Yeah. Dad was like, no, he's going to die, he's going to die a kid. You yeah, know, that was, living fun. Yeah, it was, it's going to be life. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, nice. So obviously, you know, forty years passed. I kind of, kind of broke that barrier a little bit. Uh, yeah, a little. I think so. So and then, of course, with that, the doctors would say, "Okay, he's not going to lead a, a normal life." And uh, so, with 
fitness, once I got into high school, um, I really wanted to play football. I played hockey, played yeah. pretty high level, you know, the whole AAA kind of scenario, potential to go do other things, but uh, I was too, I'm still too mature, but I think even then it was just yeah. too mature to move away to go play. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to play football because I just seen that as an easy transition, yeah. it's a pretty inexpensive sport, you know, all that kind of stuff. So uh, in grade nine, I was the same height I am now, 5'9", but I was 125 pounds. So coach is like, do you ever want to play? Do you ever want to see the field? Football. You got to get bigger, son. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> so I took that to heart and I was like, I don't know how to do that. So I started, of course, muscle fitness yeah. magazines. You know, there were magazines were a thing back then. So um, read those incessantly, literally every single month. And oh. just got, that was like my first taste of fitness. Um, and seen year over year myself get bigger and better. So by the first year I put on about 50 pounds of, of lean muscle mass. Wow. You know, so I was, got pretty big. Yeah, good for you, man. That's, that's <laughs> wild. And then by senior year, I was same, about the same weight in, a little 205 in grade 12, in a time where zero people trained. So oh. it was not fair sometimes. You know, yeah. where just, I just seen that my strength levels were much different, my speed was much different. Uh, just because no one did it back then. Yeah. So I seen this as an enormous That's advantage, cool. right? So it was like, yeah. I, it was like my secret kind of, my own secret yeah. layer kind of shit. So, <laughs> so then seeing what it could do for someone that didn't stand a chance to have a normal life mm-hmm. to surpass what everyone else was really doing, I was like, well, if it can do this for me, then I wonder what it could do for quote unquote normal people. Yeah. What is normal people? Yeah, right. But yeah. I mean, when you're a little bit different, um, then things you, you kind of think in those terms sometimes too. Right? Yeah, that's fair. You kind of just think in that way. So especially then, because we didn't. I mean, there was no like offensive terms really. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very few, but yeah. Um, just I knew I was different, but I just seen that as I seen strength conditioning as the ultimate level and tool when it came to um, somebody doing something. Yeah, like being better at your sport. Yeah, so you want to be better, so you could probably start by getting stronger. Yeah. And just being stronger is never a bad thing. No. No, and I was, was, what was I watching the other day where it was just, I think it was a clip somewhere in my Instagram feed, and it was, watching. I like got sucked into it for like six minutes. I was like, this is nuts. It was just about, man, if you want to be better at this, just be stronger. Like there's no, and especially as you get older though, I find, are you now... You're trying to maintain that strength and power that you had from when you first started. Like you're trying to just always grow it. Yes. Yeah, so you're trying to maintain. I my strength levels got pretty high. Uh, I'd say about ten years ago I was at my highest, uh, my best condition. You know, I was 35 years old, so it's pretty like for me it was, it was a good yeah. peak. Um, I've got no intention to getting that strong uh, because I dealt with a lot of things that brought me to get that strong. Right. Um, so I channeled a lot of negativity and a lot of stuff that yeah. was going on in my life and instead of going out and doing things that would hurt myself I would go into the gym and try to demolish myself in the gym Jeez. so when it comes to getting to a high level of strength it takes like there's almost like this this angry sort of idea or this mm-hmm. little voice in your head that pushes you to that next level yeah. like it's you can't be of normal sound mind and try to pull 700 pounds you know that's yeah there's gotta be there's there's something wrong with you yeah (laughs) 
Um, I've never met too many happy lifters that pull a crap load of weight. You know what I mean? It's yeah. So just such a great way to channel that kind of anger. So things that were going on in my life, like, uh, you know, it was a pretty tumultuous time. I just spent, it was my third stint in and out of a mental hospital because of anxiety and depression. Um, then about three months after I got out for the last time, I still didn't have like my full rights. I had to live with my parents when I was like 33 Ooh, years old. Oh man, what was that like? Um, hard, I think it was harder on mom and dad. Oh yeah. You know, um, so it was pretty tough. Like just going through all that, uh, I just had to make decisions in my life that I knew yeah. was going to impact a lot of people, but uh, it was time to make those decisions, but it totally broke me. Jeez, I bet. So, um, to go in and out of mental hospital in the last stint, it was, we've tried every combination of uh, antidepressant medications and everything else, and it was a one last attempt, and we decided to go for uh, uh, ECT, so electrotherapy, yep. so shock therapy. Um, and... Uh, I can't say enough of what Jeez. that uh, what that did for me. Yeah. Um, I wish that they were a little bit more upfront of how the like the long term effects were going to be with that because okay. it really affected my short term memory. There's a span of about ten years that I don't really remember. It's all stories to me. Really? So just vague. Yeah. So I just guess. you know sitting with my mom and her telling me stories yeah. of my life and that's your recognition that's, of it. Yeah. So oh man. A lot. A good chunk. That's of tough. My, my life was just storytelling from, wow. and so instead of me remembering to do something, it was remembering my mom telling the story, me trying to yeah. fix that for that movie. From your perspective yes. too, so I'm sure to, her perspective was much different. Of course, so yeah. what it really was, I, you know, I can't say 100%. Yeah, well. So, um, yeah, so to go from, to go through all that, and then to start to kind of climb out of that hole a little bit, then uh, three months after, uh, my dad had passed away. He had a massive mm -hmm. heart attack. So, uh, and of course, it was helping a friend. That was dad's thing. He was, you know, yeah. one of the hardest workers ever. Even at his funeral, people were saying, "Well, the kind of hard the, worker he was." Like that was his uh, legacy. That was the consistency. Always, like he was, you know, grade five education, but ran a pretty big business for years and years and years. Yeah. Um, just out of just figuring it out. In what? Like what was uh, kind of the uh, development, the construction, okay, nice. like that kind of stuff. So, um, so of course that was that's terrible on anyone, and everyone's situation yeah, is so I different. Can't even imagine. Uh, and I, I don't wish that upon anyone, let alone someone. I didn't really have the facilities to really deal with every day quite yet, right. because of just kind of coming out from where I was, and then that just put me pretty. Obviously, that was a fast instant slide to yeah. another pretty dark place. Right. right? And then after my mom was already terminal with cancer before then, um, I good friends with uh, her terminal care uh, doctor, his son. Uh, we've, we've been good friends for a long time. Nice. And uh, after she had passed, uh, she they, they gave her about a year, mm. but uh, she she was there for she was terminal for about eleven years. They don't even know what held her together. Yeah. What? Jeez. I'd want to know. Does it so, at that point, like just persistence? Like she, I'm sure she just didn't want to give in. Well, and that's just it. Then, of course, when we see after kind of learning how to deal with grief, you know, you go yeah. through therapy and that kind of stuff. When I was ready for for all that, and you see that many times when you have someone who is being cared for by yeah. their their spouse. Well, if that spouse goes, then 
there there's a big reason not to be around anymore. Right. So um, so before Mum and went, she was kept telling me stories about my life because I didn't remember shit. Mm. So I had a lot of anger, like so I blame myself. Yeah. And uh, a lot. Yeah, uh, I can see that. So to go through kind of to go through that process and having that much anger, um, my workouts weren't workouts anymore. It was just a way for me to be hurt myself without hurting myself. You know what I mean? So instead right, of going out yeah. and like drinking and doing a bunch of drugs, bad or, drugs, like, and getting into you know stupid fights or whatever all the time. Yeah. I spent hours upon hours in a gym, and it weren't workouts; they were beatings. Like, yeah, that's how I treated it. You're just beating the crap out of your body. So that oh, got me to a pretty high level yeah. of strength. I got to pull 700 pounds. That's something Ooh. I'm super, super proud of. Nice, you know? nice. <laughs> that's heavy. But uh, oh man, to, that's a lot of weight. And it was, uh, but now I don't. I just don't care. I don't have yeah. that anger at all. I mean, fast forward nearly 12 years later. Actually, it's around this time of year too, so it's always a little bit harder this uh, this time of year. Yeah. Um, and I've got, you know, my life is awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, when Kidding. I get to deal with amazing people all day, personal life is amazing. Life is great. You know, so um, there's not a heck of a lot to to be angry for. So I don't have that yeah. switch. So I didn't know how to train just to train for so long, right. just to enjoy it because I just beat the holy hell out of myself yeah. to try to get up to those levels, right? Um, and to not have that anger inside me anymore for a long time. I didn't even train. Wow. I just didn't. It was almost like that sort of like half quasi. Yeah. Like, I'm not mad. I don't need to. I don't know. I'm good. Now, do you remember what those workouts were like? Like, what would one be like on average? Like, so, um, curious. On Sunday, well, it depends on, on the day and kind of what was going on, but de deadlifts was a thing that I really wanted to improve on. So my yeah. workouts were structured around that lift. Um, Sundays would be about 12 sets upwards of, of heavier deadlifts, depending on the rep range would change. Yeah. Um, and then depending on where, what, what I was feeling and what I needed to do. So depending on the, the, the type of year or the type of block I was in, that would change yeah. greatly. So rep range has changed, uh, quite a bit. Um, I just really focused on the deadlift. I really didn't give a shit about but anything else, yeah. I don't even know why. It's just, it's just the no, one. It was just the one. Eh? Yeah, it was just, but it was yeah. one of the ones that was just that I gravitated towards. Just, I think genetically, because my legs yeah. are so short. Basically, I'm like part gorilla, where my arms are so long, <laughs> and my legs yeah. are so I can scratch my kneecaps just standing up straight. You know, Jeez. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I just think genetically, uh, just like most people, they just kind of gravitate towards the thing that's yeah. easiest for them, and it just kind of pulled me up from there. So. Now. Something on mindset that I was listening to, what is that? So how would you define the word mindset and how does that kind of pertain to where you are now, your approach to what you take? So the, well, now that's, that's a great question. When I think that mindset is dependent on tools that you need at a given time in your life. So it's kind of like, you know, my dad being a, a carpenter, um, not everything is, needs a hammer. Sometimes you need a screwdriver for it. Right. So sometimes um, the it's not a good time to, for that intensity. Sometimes it's a good time to be much more humble with someone yeah. or a little bit more empathetic with others uh, with different types. And just having that sort of mindset, I think, to be very flexible in your mindset. But having a set of core values that never change, I think, are really, really valuable. Just having those 
things that you fall back on every day and those make those that things that help you make those big decisions yeah and thinking those kind of and the rest is meaningless you know right. you know so many people will say that you know you got to try to focus on so many things i think that's nonsense mm -hmm. i think with even the way i program strength and conditioning is focusing on one thing at a time being super patient yeah. and over the long period of time so like over the macro yep um you'll see much greater improvement if you're just patient but focused So, I had Pat on the podcast months ago, and I want to ask you the same question because I'm intrigued with the answer that he gave, and I know you won't let me down with this. So, what are habits that you, and you kind of answered it, but what are habits that you imply when coaching strength and conditioning or even just helping people achieve their goals? What are some habits that you have or strategies that you imply that help those people achieve those goals? Uh, questions is the first one. Um, never, I just a relentless pursuit yeah. of that person's core, core reason. So that why. Uh, I think it's probably the most important thing um, to try to find what they're passionate about when it comes to fitness. Right. Some people have never been asked that question, so it's something we right. would come in and I deal with that all the time, right? Where someone yeah, comes I in, I want to lose ten pounds. Okay, well why? I want to look better in a bathing suit. Why do you want? So it's just yeah. that core. Like to find that core thing yeah. of why whatever their fitness goals are are important to them. Dealing with a pro athlete is much it's it's super simple and very very cut and dry. Yeah. Um, we see what they're weakest, what they're strongest at, and we have to put what they're good at on absolute steroids, basically yeah. without putting them on steroids. Yeah. You know, so to put their what they're good at to make them great at, and what they're not so good at, we just have to make it not a detriment to their game. When it comes yeah. to general fitness, it's so broad because people, many people don't have defined whys when it comes to their goals. True. It's yeah. just an image thing, but then why do you have that image thing or why do you want to lose the weight or mm -hmm. gain the weight or whatever? And you'll see those people that are successful have that deep rooted why on yeah. to try to, get, just like on anything in life, in business or whatever, yeah. it always comes down to the same thing. Um, it's, that's why you see so many people that are successful in many different areas of their life is because of the personality trait. And that's right. what I love so much about sport. I never have to watch you play. I never have to watch you play a game. I can watch you train and see you do other things in the rest of your life and know exactly how to coach you. Interesting. So I don't feel that sport, you know, we get so many different archetypes of personalities, right? Yeah. And uh, to see someone, I never, so I've seen it many, many times. I watch someone practice and I say, yeah. okay, well, I gotta watch for him for this or yeah. her for that or oh that's he or she's really good at so um, just 23 years of experience yeah. kind of gives you that, uh, that insight. That was my I think it's valuable to and to never stop, never think that you know so much. Like my mentors, um, I'm super blessed to have, and yeah. uh, people that I look up to that I can't believe nobody's heard of some of these people. You really? Know what I mean? So and I think it's. Uh, to me, to have those people to look to, yeah. to see that they are like the, uh, they are the apex predator when it comes to, to coaching. Yeah. Um, you know, elite levels, like with the Olympic Training Center in the U.S. and like mm -hmm. people at that level. Jeez. Uh, so people that I get to ask questions to and pick brains and um, so that's, to me, to be able to have access to those people mm -hmm. is unbelievable. Uh, before social media, yeah. that was never... Right. never even a possibility and now I can message a researcher and say like uh, 
female fitness studies that is in New Zealand. I never would have even heard it before. Or uh, someone in Tennessee that is Mm -hmm. like the elite of the elite when it comes to speed training. And I could just pick his brain just by, hey, Brad, I got this going on. You know, so it's pretty incredible to be able to always feel when it comes to that, that I don't have all the answers. Even if I do know the topic very well, mm-hmm. I feel that I'm pretty well versed when it comes to strength and conditioning. Okay. Um, and been thankful for the career that I've had. Yeah. Um, but it comes with that pursuit of knowledge, I think, is that right. never-ending thirst to try to think. Think outside mm-hmm. the box and never think that good enough is good enough. Okay. So uh, at the end of every single season, especially uh, off-season, I should say, when it comes to even the pro, like my pro athletes, mm-hmm. um, it is a dissection of programming. Yeah. And that happens almost block over block where I say, okay, no, last two years we yeah. did this and this, but let's try to yeah. implement this instead. So it's this constant kind of evolution right. of, uh, of programming. So um, I like to take a, a four, whether I have four years with an athlete or not, mm-hmm. that's like my goalpost right. is to spend four years with them so we can see a true picture of, uh, right. of what their toolbox really looks like. And it's with all those years of built up that you're able to kind of pick away, and that makes it that four year span makes it kind of ideal. Yeah, and it's just that we curve. call that a quadrennial approach. That's how we train uh, okay. Olympic level athletes. So we right. know when someone's going to qualify for the games, it's every yeah. four years. Yeah, they right? need to peak then. Right so before. I don't worry about. So we have so many parents and whatever parents, whatever sport your kids are in out there, um, everyone's so concerned about winning now. And I think that's meaningless. So when they're really, really young. So we have kids like in hockey, for example, everyone's so worried about every single year about winning yeah. the championship. When it doesn't, it means nothing. It really means huh. nothing. Instead of getting them, grooming them to perform at a much higher rate year yeah. over year, building that, you know, that proverbial uh, pyramid yeah. of uh, performance and getting them to peak when it actually matters. It could matter for them for to get a better uh, an education provided to them or many other things. Mm-hmm. I think everyone has it so twisted where it's win now, win at all costs now, instead of everyone being on the same page. Everyone likes the idea of it until the application comes in. Yeah. So I think like uh, martial arts are a much better indicator of that. You know, white belt, everyone, as you get in there, you're like, yeah, this is it, you know, and it's so much fun, and I think I'm doing better and better, and all of a sudden you meet like uh, like a kill. Like Like a seasoned blue belt or somebody. And you're like, I know nothing. And I just think that it's such a great, yeah. I heard, uh, I, I think it was on Joe Rogan, where it was just such a, that's why you get so many people in martial arts or at a very, very elite level of fitness, they're mm-hmm. typically pretty humble people because yeah. their egos are so far removed because they've been beaten they've been checked millions and millions of ago. times. Yeah. yeah, and it's over and over and over again, even at high levels, you know, they still keep getting beat. Yeah. They pursue that, like they pursue that failure. So yeah. I think that, you know, with uh, any level of person like I don't care if it's sport or whatever I think that yeah. that's the important thing the pursuit of failure probably one of the most important aspects yeah and then I think to that there was my first day of jiu-jitsu was in Ottawa that's like three years ago now and he uh man what was it I walked in and I was like you know I had worked out for a bit bodybuilding style workouts right you know I'm in college I'm like I, you know, I just want to lift heavy get big arms and leave but so I end up walking down this hallway these like very narrow steps to this door like this doorway that led into this like long hallway about 50 feet stone block wall spray painted 
I go in, all I see is just a bunch of shoes at the end of the hallways. I'm like, okay. I, hang, I look, I hang a left, and I go in, and I see this, like, five-foot-high, like, bar table with stools, and this Brazilian with, like, neck tattoos sitting there. He's like, Glenn? I was like, yeah. You follow him? He's like, yeah. I'm like, it's good to meet you, man. He's like, good to meet you. Here's your gi. Change into it. See you on that. So they're showing us whatever. They're showing us like the couple techniques you ran through. I remembered one thing from that day, and it was like you know I got like it was just opening the guard. It was like disengaging when they're on the ground and I'm on top. It was getting out of their guard and disengaging. Like, cool. So you have to take the two lapels of the gi, put your finger in, and you like you get your posture and you kind of back out of it. You, whatever details are synonymous right now. Basically, I'm like I need the two lapels together. That's the big thing. The guy looks at me, we snap hands, bump fists, he rips them open. I was like, <laughs> what do I grab? As soon as I grab one, he sweeps me and just, he like head and arm trot, like choked me. And I remember it was like the quickest thing that's ever happened. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even, and he was, I was like, I remember him being like a two stripe white belt, my size, but not as like, in shape, but he's just kind of like, oh, whatever, hanging out, seemed like a good guy, shit, bald head, older, but like, smaller guy, and I'm like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> and that was like three years ago, and since then, I've definitely had my ass kicked enough to feel that I'm not the most in shape on the planet. No, I think it's, it's definitely, yeah, and the, I think it's important where that doesn't happen enough anymore, and it's not even like a generational thing, I just think it just doesn't happen anymore. You're right. People uh, don't, they don't have to fail, you know, right. where there's always an out, and I feel that you make it makes your best your best decisions are made when you don't have a choice. Sure. You know. Yeah. Uh, when sometimes there when there is so instead like for me as a strength coach if I give if there's an option people will take the lesser option about ninety percent of the time. Yeah. Wow. If you have a chance to do three or four sets, mm-hmm. most people are going to pick three. So if you're not given an option, people are amazing when there's no option. We can see that prove over time over time not just in fitness mm-hmm. but in world and wars and you name it when there's no option but to get up that damn hill you're going to get up that damn hill yeah you know? so even uh i'm a strength coach for uh local university like for laurentian for their uh, their women's hockey team and cool. i didn't give them an option when it came to an exercise everyone had no choice yeah. but to lift heavier for that exercise nice. and everybody did because there was no option this is what's this, next. This is you're, this, you're, you're doing you're, it. You're carrying this weight as a farmer kid. You're carrying more weight than you did last week. Yeah. This is going to be your best week. Was it a trap bar? Well, okay. No, just dumbbells. Oh, oh cool. Yeah. So, um, when not given a choice, people make better decisions for themselves. Mm-hmm. So, it's to de- going back to, to mindset. Yeah. It's to not give yourself the, the choice. It's to just make that hard decision. Keep making those hard decisions. Decisions. Um, and it gets a lot easier to do instead of saying, well, I've got to tell so-and-so somebody like this at work and that's going to be a hard conversation yeah. and instead of that build up and build up and build up and just making those tough decisions daily really makes a big difference when it comes to your mindset. Oh, now I'm um, back when I was, and actually what inspires this curiosity right now for this next question is there was, I was listening to your podcast the other day and you mentioned road mapping and when I worked outdoor centers we would call it succession planning where you plan for an activity you plan for like a program or a workshop you want to do 
and you write it down, you kind of plan your goals ahead of what you want to achieve, how you're going to tone set, what the core of the programming is, how you're going to debrief, how you kind of, how you kind of want to approach the reflection. So what does road mapping look like to you for how you approach your athletes or even what you tell them? So what that really looks like, I think that's one of the really valuable exercise for coaches or just people looking to improve a lot of things when it comes to trying to find things that could go wrong before they go wrong um, and to just cr create that, that map of yeah. where you're going to go. So to know that, like, you know you're going to run out of gas. Basically. Yeah, eventually. So yeah. if your if your your tank, I should say, you have a 500 quick tank, well, and the trip is 600 kilometers, you've got to stop for gas. Yeah. That's part of the roadmap. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and it's ver I think it's really valuable to know, like, when your athletes, so in my, my position, to know when they're going to run out of gas when it comes to the programming. Because we can't just go from, we can't just go at 100% all the time. It's impossible. No. Body breaks down. We yeah. can't even do that week over week. We get a couple of really, really hard days out of someone every week, and the rest have to be moderated from there. Yeah, so if we, if I know the athlete, then we can start planning those difficult days ahead of time mm -hmm. and try to find where those roadblocks are going to be. Right. Then we can have much more success, um, and we can. I can think of tons of examples where that's just been like it saved me a lot of headaches, and there's a lot less stress involved too. When, yeah. especially for the athlete, when you come in. We have the initial consultation, and uh, we want to get to a certain point, or the mm. team is dictating, because sometimes that happens. Yeah. Hey, so-and-so has to be able to do this, and that's it. We'll see you in September. And they could be way far away from that. It could be like an almost impossibility, but if they don't reach whatever that is, then it, n nothing else matters. Yeah. Right or wrong, it's just mm -hmm. the mindset of uh, many schools, I find that they're they're like that, yeah. many like universities, like NCAA, like that kind of stuff. They give like almost an unachievable. No, it's should have. So a lot of that falls on the athlete, right? Where they should have been at a higher level of fitness to start off with. Mm -hmm. Like, own that. Sorry, but you yeah. should have been well ahead of here. I have meetings sometimes with athletes where they're on their brink of losing their ride or losing their place on a team Jeez. because they're just not willing to do the work, or all the other men or women on their team done the work and then it comes to a boiling point where we can see that they're so far behind mm. that now we're in a tough place yeah. and they puts everybody in a tough place themselves mostly included because they're the ones directly affected by that right so that procrastination doesn't pay off you know so uh, to to try to create that roadmap for and everyone's so different but many different roadmaps will fit other people so mm -hmm. since I've seen so many like thousands of athletes by now yeah and we can kind of almost like overlay some different roadmaps and we can kind of already start that process okay well Glenn this is the way it's been for you before mm -hmm. what were you doing before like all like really pertinent questions so yeah. we can create that how's that working what, yes where did sure. it work and seeing good. data as a great indicator of that mm -hmm. as well so even just uh, different rep ranges you might improve uh, in is really really valuable so let's say if you your strength improves greatly in a three rep range, for example, right. um, then we know that we should time over time maybe do more of that until it doesn't work, mm -hmm. and then move on to something else. You know what I mean? So instead of knowing, if we have that data, knowing that we improve more during a certain cycle of training, yeah. then we know that works. So then we don't have to worry about the other stuff as much. Yeah. We know what works already. Huh. Okay. And now, when you uh, you mentioned.
Interesting. Wow, the two. Um, so it's a matter of ambition matching your work ethic, right? And I love this. I love this idea, especially the way you approach it. But I'm curious to know: is that that's kind of the what separates that professional athlete for somebody who's more so amateur or somebody who's in the beginning stages, for better sake? Yeah, so when it, everyone loves the idea of being a champion. Everyone yeah. loves the idea of hoisting that 35-pound trophy over their head. Yeah, absolutely. I've been lucky enough to, to hold on to that one time. Nice. So um, everyone loves that idea yeah. of that. But do they love the idea of waking up at 5.30 in the morning to eat one of eight meals? Probably not. Do they love the idea of not going out with friends for mm. four months? Probably not. No. Uh, sleeping every single night at a certain time, getting a certain, getting a nap throughout the day as well. Like forced fed, forced hydrated, forced everything. Recovery, yeah. So for everything. Yeah. Do they? So when I give a, a talk, that's one of the things when it comes to athletes. Um, when there's a group of higher level athletes, so every, everyone wants to be the man or the woman, or yeah. so so to speak. But does everyone want to do the work away from the lights? So it's all well and good when the lights are on you and you're performing, yeah. but when nobody's watching, when professionals come in and you know they are <laughs> coffee in hand yeah. and strap on their their shoes and it's time to go to work and that's nice. they treat strength and conditioning as a huge part of their job because it is, yeah. you know. So um, it's when someone's ambition doesn't match their work ethic, that's when we get beer leaders, and that's okay. It's okay to not be great because we can't. <laughs> I love that term. Sorry. And because we're going to get many, so many. I can walk into any dressing room and there's about ten people in there that should have made pro. In their mind. Wow. I should have been pro, but they're super quick with that foot. Well, there was this knee injury yeah. happened in '05. Yeah, and the amount of people I'm, I've yeah. met that have bench pressed 300 pounds in high school is amazing. In the meantime, they can't even do a buck 35 on the bar now. Yeah, it's not even, no, no, yeah. it's not the way it looks. So, um, wow. so when it comes to ambition, does it equal, it's almost like the Stinson scale of like hot to crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's crazy like the ambition and work, like yeah. where does that meet for you? You might mm. be wicked ambitious, but not really willing to put in the work. Right. And that's wherever one of those is that, like that dissection point. So on a work, uh, on that, uh, on that scale, you might be on a four on one and a ten on another, so if your ambition's only a four, eh, you might be willing to put a lot of work in, but not all the time. Yeah. Or you might be super ambitious, but you know, maybe you'll put in some work. Yeah. Only on Saturdays. Yeah, yeah just like, oh, you know what, I'm going to go out and I'm going to drink with somebody. Mm -hmm. Instead of going in, instead, instead of doing whatever I have to do, like my, my mobility work or staying in just to rest. Um, there's always, always like using that analogy of the kid in the basement. Especially back in my like back in my day, like yeah. people didn't train to for sport because it really wasn't a big thing in universities in the states. That mm -hmm. was about it. Um, but that kid in the basement is you know always somebody that I always thought of, and that that person you, you never watch him. He doesn't talk about stuff. No. He never says anything about he or she's doing. They're just in their basement training their ass off, taking hundreds if not a thousand shots every single day, or on their own bench or doing whatever they have at home and never talking about it, just grinding. And you don't know who they are, then all of a sudden they come out of nowhere. Oh, that overnight success.
That's yeah, which took ten years for them to get there. Yeah, that's you know? not a real thing. No, <laughs> absolutely no. not. Um, so to me, like, it's to always think about that kid in the basement, like that view, that that yeah. perfect view, so to speak. Like, if he did everything perfectly, what would that look like? Interesting. So of course we can't be perfect. Life right. throws curveballs every day. Does and it ever? Oh man. Life happens, uh, but is life happening at a rate where you can make those changes right. that are necessary? Mm. Um, How well can you adapt to certain things, which is huge. Yeah, and I think it's the uh, the feasibility of some of that too, of, you know, back even 10 years ago, yeah. I could train three, four hours a day for myself, and that was doable, and now absolutely not. You know, where I work full-time as a coach, I've got my own <laughs> supplement company, which yeah. takes another full-time part of my day. My wife has a business as well, so there's a lot of moving parts there. So do yeah, I, absolutely. Do I even have like the, uh, the the reserve of hours in day to train like that? No, something's gonna suffer. Yeah. You know? So um, many times when it comes to go, getting back to, to the question of uh, pro versus amateur, is the resources that professionals willing to dick uh, to direct towards their goal is unfathomable to an amateur athlete. So someone's saying, well, no, I can't, I'm not willing to do that. Or, yeah. oh man, I can't eat that much, or I can't, I can't, I gotta go with my friends, I gotta do this. Yeah. And then meantime, those other athletes are the ones that are gonna sign the contracts, yeah. you know. Oh. Interesting. Oh, I'm curious about something. Um, you, how much do you, and what you've kind of achieved up to date, and uh, we'll get into the business thing in a second, because I have questions, pondering about it, but journaling. I found, I know that's something you've done before, um, and that's something that I've begun to do more of as of late. However, I do, every time I'm on a trip, whether it be like South America, Europe, across the country, that's what I'm doing. I find I journal specifically good, bad, no matter what the day is, no matter what we did, how tired or sore, or just over anything I'm doing, brain's tired, whatever, that's what I'm doing. And I find it, it's cool to go back and see kind of how I felt in the moments of writing. It's like, man, I should have written more, I should have written less, or I can't believe I was thinking that at the time. Like, oh, why did we do that? So how has journaling kind of affected you? And like, how'd you kind of get into that? So it was part of the therapy that I had as a healing process after my, uh, my parents yeah. passed. So I could show myself that, you know, it's okay to have emotions, but mm -hmm. to not let them take over. Right. And um, I like that. I think it was really vi that was one of the vital parts of my own uh, healing process mm -hmm. uh, in journaling my emotions. That's kind of how that started. Was and then when it got very emotional, sometimes you just can't spit the words out. So that's when I turned like more to video journaling, yeah. not posting it anywhere, just on my phone. You yes. know. Um, so uh, with that, I, th I thought it was very very valuable to just get it out to show, so I can go back and read that. Yeah. So I can see that it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. It was my perception of the situation, not the situation that was right. the problem, right? So then that's where that sort of evolved into like the road mapping sort of thing where I would, for my own kind of training, mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of evolved into there and then other people's uh, training and their story, like their story of their, yeah. of their fitness. Um, and still on emotional levels, I, uh, I'll still like video journal instead because yeah. I feel when I see that I can see okay wow like that you're really yeah, beat up man. You're, you're, and it's my wife is the one that really got me to see that so she had okay, showed me nice. like, years ago I had yeah. stress was through 
the roof. Literally, it was Jeez. like a, it was a physical, like it was a medical problem. Wow. Where my testosterone was so low. I'd be sitting here, we'd be yeah. talking, no joke, literally start nodding off. Wouldn't matter. Really? Yeah, it wouldn't matter. I couldn't hold attention, nothing. Like, I'd just Stresses. do that. Man, is that, is that bad? Even in a meeting when I was working at a big global gym, yeah. and I was in a meeting with uh, a manager, it started way back then, but it kind of kept rolling. Yeah. And uh, she was like, you, you're just falling asleep right here. I'm like, oh, am I? <laughs> And you wouldn't really notice, no, like, right away. And I, but that's when I didn't know that that testosterone was the problem. Yeah. So then kind of fast forward a few years, like, a few years later, and it started to happen again. I'd be at family mm. functions, and I would curl up in a ball and go to sleep. Like, Jeez. just because it was time to sleep, you know? Um, wow. And then went and seen a doctor, and he said that, okay, it's, it's your yeah. testosterone. Literally, it was so low that they were going, I was just outside the range for them to give me testosterone therapy. Wow. So it's so funny, like we think it's such a joke where I got accused so often of being on like gear, GRT, on, on just shit. on shit. Yeah. And meantime, my testosterone was testosterone was so low that I should have been on I, shit. I needed the shit. Yeah. Well, and then the doctor would have said it would have wow. been a, a good idea to previously get that test done. Yeah. Uh, just to see what my uh, testosterone levels were like, because just because I'm a bigger guy, not yeah. big, but bigger guy. Yeah. Um, I carry a lot more muscle than the average dude. Well, he would like to, he wanted to see what it was like before, because maybe my testosterone levels before were way up here. Yeah, when you're pulling 700 pounds. <laughs> and then maybe when uh, things change, yeah. well, maybe that just above low might have been extremely low for me, mm -hmm. just because it's just an average, right? Right. So anyway, he just said, you have to make some changes, dude. You have to make yeah. some changes. So change my sleep, my diet, work, everything changed and everything kind of came to it was because of a picture that my wife sent uh, showed me we're at a uh, a wedding and i looked like death warmed over like literally like the puffiest blackest darkest eyes oh man i looked like hell and she was like look at you like this isn't the guy honey what what is going on so and that was like shit like i gotta yeah i gotta fix I this so then sure. that's when i got back into the uh, journaling Emotionally, yeah. to get that out, because sometimes, you know, as a dad, and then as, you know, having a higher level position, yeah. uh, there's a lot of stress, you know, and, uh, yeah. A lot of demand. yeah, and there's demand on your time, and, you know, for me, I've always asked a lot from my athletes, but always given, I felt, just as much. 100%. You know, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, I don't take time off during when it's the busiest times ever. Yeah. I've had two weeks vacation in about seven years, total. took one day off for that was the week of my marriage mm -hmm. <laughs> one day off that week eh? yeah Jeez. <laughs> so I uh, wow so seeing how getting back into like more the emotional side of journaling I felt really got things out and I can put that into better perspective and saying like man like look at you mm. like you look like a rag of shit like you've got to yeah. time to make some changes again you know um, when it came to just like physical journey, journaling, that's kind of where the road mapping is really important to me. Mm -hmm. Is like my daily, whether and some for some people, some listeners or viewers, whatever, whether you start to write that down or not, I think it's kind of irrelevant. I think to plan your day uh, beforehand is really, really valuable stuff. So you don't necessarily, I'll check my schedule over the week and then day over day yeah. the night before. So I don't have to see what's, there's no surprises, you know. 
so you're, good at that. you're able to manage things a bit better. Yeah, so mentally. when things kind of get whacked out, I get a little funky about that because yeah, the things are playing, way. you know. So, yeah. um, so I think to to make sure that journal for what you have time for. Don't make it this other stressful kind of thing. Oh shit, I got this other thing I have to do now. Yeah. Like with voice to text, that kind of stuff. You can just talk it out. Yeah. You know, easy. just super easy, super fast. Yeah. Take one minute instead of scrolling through Instagram mm -hmm. uh, for one less minute a day. Yeah, it has the opposite effect. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I think to make it something quick that everyone should do, I think it's really, really valuable in spending just like that one minute a day to try to do it. Don't make it a big thing. Like, it doesn't take long to type out a no. few things that you're going to have to do to, to map out your day or to, map, or to ask yourself about the day or week that, that you've had. Yeah, the things you want to do. And yeah. One thing I was listening to was um, you mentioned not just, I think it could have been you or I could have just had this conversation with somebody, uh, can't quite remember, but you'll probably agree with this point. Um, not so much journaling, journaling both with negative and with positive. Yeah, for sure. So you're able to kind of reflect on the positive things that are able to uh, develop and then you go, oh, I remember I did, why did the, why was this day so good? All right, let's review it. Uh, and then you can notice a pattern and then you can start to find out what caused that pattern and then implement it more so the bad days are fewer and far between. Yeah, I think it's about, obviously, I've, I've had my fair share, just like everyone, yeah. of uh, pretty crappy days. Um, yeah. And uh, some things you, it's just to learn how, whether learn from that day or learn yeah. the emotion of how to deal from that day right. so you can move on. Mm -hmm. um, I think negative and positive, like that whole yin yang sort of, uh, sort of approach, right? I think it has a lot of, a uh, lot of context, yeah. you know, where there's some good in bad and some bad in good, like where you get some people who have never had a dose of failure in their life. Yeah. And then when they yeah. get into that, they don't know how to deal with that. So that's where, uh, talking to like the, uh, Laurentian women's team about pushing that way to find, because we hold on to this buffer of success or failure, whatever you want to call it, of I know I'm not going to fail if I pull back about this much. It's such a fear of it, even in such an increment. Right, so, moments, but. Uh, you know, learning how, like Jordan Peterson, obviously he's mm -hmm. a great, uh, great writer, um, and just incrementally dealing with that, so almost like an abusive relationship, how it begins. Right. I don't know if you've, you've seen his, uh, his talk on that, but. No, I gotta touch up with it. So with his view on, uh, on that, on those abusive relationships, it just, just doesn't happen overnight where someone's getting no. many times. Yeah. I'm not a psychologist, trust, but, right. but we can, he goes into saying that, you know, it's these incremental kind of gains and getting an extra step on someone mm -hmm. until you reach uh, a big protest. And then you stay to that protest against that person until it just moves a little bit more and you keep moving that protest back. Yeah. Then someone looks back over one or 10 years or whatever, and they go, holy, what have I done with my yeah. life? You know, so no uh, we can take the same approach, right. but for the good of when we, when I meet someone and it's, there's a big protest there of eating a certain way or training or resting even is a big thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and just meeting that protest and then to not just hammer someone to get through it. Yeah. It's to meet them at their level, but then just slowly tip the scale into really what should be their favor. Yeah. Um, and then you look back a year from get now going, into it. Yeah. yeah. So to not just like to stand ah, solid like and that. to not give in. Yeah. So as a coach, that's my job as a coach. One of the biggest things is to take away your excuses. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. That's one of the biggest things as a coach is my job is to take away all your yeah. excuses and just for you to see past that. So for me not to give in when you protest, for me to stand my ground, yeah. and then for me to just bump you past that a little bit more, so you can see what you really what your potential yeah. truly is. I find that's the benefit of having a trainer specifically with you. I find it's a lot harder to give in, and I'll make it, like I'll make sarcastic excuses. Be like, "Are you sure?" Like, I think it was like, I was like, "Oh yeah, okay, we're gonna do ten reps." I'm like, ten? Can it be less?" And it's like, it doesn't change it. I'm still gonna move the weight. It's just now there's like a an enjoyment of the crap that I'm about to face. <laughs> I can actually enjoy the ease of pain as it slowly removes the ability to walk from my legs. <laughs> but yeah, so switching gears a little bit, what kind of um, inspired you? And I wonder, actually, I wonder, is your like being certified in exercise nutrition and running Sudbury supplements, do those kind of play hand in hand? Yeah, so kind of where that came from, honestly, yeah. for me to have, like, I've had a supplement business like 15 years ago when like before like online shopping was like super a thing that anybody really did much of yeah um so i was kind of way ahead of the the curve didn't know what i was doing trying to do it on my own because you know to get someone to do that for you back in the day it was astronomically expensive like just not like it was today people just understand how easy it is to start something yeah it is so easy um so then kind of fast forward to when COVID hit and everyone got into lockdown. Well, my wife has a pretty successful clothing online clothing yeah. company. Um, and because of everyone's mix of drinking and staying at home, <laughs> there was a lot of online shopping. So she like four timed what she did. No kidding. Yeah. Good for Val. That's yeah. Sick. She, and then some, and now we're starting to see even more growth from that because wow. of just the, the amount of momentum that she's been able to put into that. Mm-hmm. So, not knowing if the gyms were going to reopen, um, it was like, hey, well, what can I do following your business model? She has a very structured model that she yeah. follows when oh, it comes to, to, to her business. So how can I use your model, but to something that I am really well versed in? Yeah. And the only thing we could really come up with was uh, supplements. Um, and it, that's kind of where it really started to get rolling again, like for me to get mm-hmm. back into it. Um, for, you know, 20 years I've always recommended people to eat certain yeah. things or you know hey you got enough protein so go and buy this or yeah. do that so now I just instead of getting people to if they want somebody wants to buy from someone else I, that's I don't there's zero hard feelings you know nice. I don't really do I don't worry about that man yeah. you know it's life too short <laughs> yeah that's not your like no oh you're gonna buy from me no I don't deal with that right, well, I ain't talking to you anymore no and that's I, yeah. some people are like that weird that's so weird weird I, I'd rather someone get from someone they feel super comfortable with and knowing that if you actually give a shit about someone's success, you have to take yourself out of the equation. So it's not like when one of my athletes wins a championship and then I'm all over saying, yeah, well, because of me, you're doing, you know, no, dude. Yeah, pump the brakes. No, yeah, no, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Like the the humble approach to it. Yeah, like I want somebody to feel comfortable coming to me for something they feel is important, you know, and then I'll try to spend the extra time with them and to give them more value than what they're buying. That's kind of like my, my nice. approach. That's so that's it, you know, nice. and if someone doesn't buy or they buy from someone else, that's, I can't help that. Yeah. I'm not gonna, oh no, I'm not gonna talk to you anymore because yeah. I know like eventually people come around. 
you know, yeah. um, we have to think more of the, the big picture. And that was kind of the model that my wife used with her, uh, with her business. She was talking to people up close. That was all it seemed. If you bought it, great. If not, who cares? I'm talking about something I love. Yeah. And it's that passion drive that kind of helps. Oh yeah. Makes yeah. it easier when the days are tough. Yeah. And it's just, and without that, you're going to be lost. Yeah. 100%. So, you have to love something, whether it's sport, business, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, and you have to absolutely have like a hundred percent passion for whatever that is. Um, otherwise, it's just not going to work. Right. Um, and we can see where so many people should be successful, yeah. rightfully, but there's not enough passion to carry them through the boredom or like the crappy days where they're not selling or people aren't as interested or times change and they're not willing to pivot. So it's just, there has to be that passion. Again, it goes back to just that ambition to the amount of work you're willing to put in. It's always going to come back to that cross-section. So that ambition has got to come with lots of passion. Yeah. Troy, with that being said, um, how do people, because I feel like you found kind of what you're passionate about and then managed to find a way to now help other people with all your experience and then monetize and then help out this way. How do people in your opinion, one go about finding what they're passionate about? Uh, just trying different stuff. Trying different so stuff. the best advice that my dad ever gave me like, <laughs> is to try everything. Try everything? Try everything. No matter what. Eh? It didn't matter. So he wanted me to play baseball. Okay. He wasn't a baseball fan. Crazy, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> so the reason behind that, he's like, you're super athletic. We know that. Mm -hmm. You have a lot of, uh, a lot of gifts. Um, you're willing to work really, really hard at whatever you do. Mm -hmm. um, so baseball, you can have a pretty long career at. And I was like, Dad, being a blind guy, tough to hit a fastball. <laughs> so, but Great that was. Response. That, but he, yeah. again, he wasn't a baseball fan, but he just seen like Dad was a pretty critical thinker that way. Yeah. So of just kind of seeing the bigger picture. Um, so I think it was the uh, that idea is what really sparked everything for me just try everything try everything tried modeling i tried uh pretty much so i did try to get in i did have a tryout for the arena football league oh wow nice um so uh, it was in indianapolis went down there walked in that dressing room immediately understood i was not gonna shit was not on my side like it was crazy like it's crazy so knew full well shit was not gonna go my way yeah and what? But I tried. I was just going to try. Yeah, you showed up. Whatever, I'm going to show up. And I think that's the biggest part of anything, to just try. And not to just, you know, this blanket effort of, oh, I tried. No, well, no, yeah, like, I showed up. try. Give it your all. If yeah, it doesn't work, fail, it doesn't that's work. That's cool. You're allowed to fail. Yes. There shouldn't be a fear of it. You should, again, learn to fail. Yeah. Love to fail. Do it over and over and over again until mm -hmm. it's really hard for you to fail, whatever that subject is. That's where a PhD kind of comes in. Don't you have do so much crazy, like razor blade level of high level of knowledge in yeah. the world of knowledge, right? So if you take this big globe of everything that in the known universe, mm -hmm. well, if someone has a PhD, has this very thin this layer, niche right here, but it's like super high level, right? Yeah. So you don't get that and until you spend a lot of years learning whatever that mm -hmm. subject is. So I think you try different things and. Trying one thing might not be that thing, but there's going to be an offshoot of getting into something else. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's almost like you go in one direction. You're like, oh, shit, this is really cool, but I really like this instead. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go this way. Uh, but it's also to be pretty careful and to not get like that ADD kind of approach 
70 different things. Where you're like, oh, I'm going to yeah. do, I want to do this and this and this, where you never really complete any of those tasks. Right. So I think it's to try everything, and but make it part of the process and know it's part of the process mm-hmm. where you're going to keep trying and then, okay, this really isn't working out, so what can I do around here that's going to, that yeah. of this new knowledge and skills that I've developed, what can I implement in every day? Yeah. And then what else can I try now? Now that I have these skills and this knowledge, then let me try this. And then you get into it. Then eventually you have like this big broad span of this degree of things that you've learned and eventually you're going to find that thing if you're trying hard enough. Yeah. And I think that's the the point you said at the end there is trying. Yeah. Actually trying. Just trying hard enough to find what you want to do. I know a lot of people like they tend to, at least from what I've seen with people I've grown up with and gone to school with, it's they're very focused on one or two things and they don't enjoy it but they're too deep in those one or two things in terms of like man I've studied for this many years I don't really like it people I work with suck but I'm here and I'm making good money so let's ride this out yeah but it goes back to that I've heard a quote many years ago and I saw and it's really rung true for me for a very long time it's you are where you are because you want to be there otherwise you'd change and sometimes that means a really, really hard decision to make. Yeah. One of those decisions literally made me crazy yeah. in my life. And that was a really hard decision I had to make, but I knew it was something that was going to be, in the end, better mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah. Um, so <coughs> I think sometimes we kind of get into that, well, I'm doing this, so oh, well, I'm just going to do this. Like mm-hmm. We're worth so much more than that. Yeah. Everyone's happiness is worth so much more than that. And I think it's really, really valuable to have that really abrupt, maybe day or year that's very, very uncomfortable, right. but to make that decision so the rest of our life we can at least be happy yeah. for, for that. Enjoy the shit out of it. Yeah, so yeah. maybe someone's an engineer and they they hate it. Well, dude, just switch. We have people that are 70 years old going to university. Yeah. You know? Like yeah, we have, I just seen yesterday a 102-year-old going skydiving. Like. You don't think that was a hard decision for her to make? You know? Oh, I can imagine. Right? I'm sure so, she loved it, though. Oh, yeah. yeah so yeah. I think it's really important to, you know, we are in those positions because we've decided to be there. Mm-hmm. And some some listeners and viewers are going to say, well, that's, that's bullshit. That's not the way it is. But if you really think about it, yeah. you're just going to have to make, you're not willing to make that hard decision to yeah. make that change. Now, how would you instill... I've been thinking about this a lot lately, and over my years, it's starting to become much easier to fail at things and admit to myself that it's like, well, that was a bust. Not doing that again. Or not doing it that way again, I should say. How would you instill the ability to deal with failure in people? Um, I think that sport does that. Yeah. Um, early just on. being humble there. Yeah, and just getting someone involved in sport and in sports that they can fail at. And with mm-hmm. coaches that give them the room to fail. Because a lot of times, some coaches there is no room for failure, right? And yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, and that's but there's also room for that. But when you're young, that's not how you foster that. So it's like give them the room to fail, I think. And but in sport, get them failing young. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really really valuable. Um, where someone is failing at a younger age and they don't see it as failure, they just see it as you know I'm going to try to make this shot. Oh, I missed, I missed. And so you're going to try over and like say like a a free throw, for example. Mm-hmm. I suck at basketball yeah. <laughs> because I don't try. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm still not going to be great at it. But um, just someone trying over and over and over again, and eventually it just gets easier and easier for them to sink those shots, right? Mm-hmm. Work on the mechanics over and over and over again. Just break it down. And then to out. 
repeatedly stay on track with that. You know, we get people like Kobe shooting hundreds of shots every single day yeah. at the elite level. You know, so that was that's an important lesson I think for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, even to just learn to fail at a very very young age and to get that out of your system yeah. and to let you know that it's okay to fail and it's always okay to fail. But if you keep making the same mistakes, then that's another mindset you're going to have to fix. So uh, if you're always doing the same thing, like going back to me uh, getting to a 500 pound deadlift, and I was stuck there forever because I did the same things that got me to 500 pounds. Okay. And I, what gets you to 300 pounds is going to be the same that gets you to 400 pounds, and 400 is going to be the same that gets you to five, and so five, on, seven, so on. Yeah. yeah. So to get to those levels of whatever you're doing, so elite level, insert anything here. Um, you have to not be not be worried about failure. At that point, you spent so many years failing that you just it's already kind of guided you in the direction you should be going in. Right. Interesting. Yeah, I find there's a lot of there's a lot of issue around that nowadays, especially with. I'm curious how social media plays an impact on that because now everyone's failures are almost broadcasted. Yeah, but, but and I think even more so that everyone's social is a highlight reel. Right. Yeah. So look how fucking cool I am. Yeah. Like, we've all done it. Yeah. Like, we've all done it. I approach it that way, too. I, I think everyone does, yeah. you know. Um, so I was strength coach for um, a, a volleyball league, uh, like a, a whole system, like a team from, you know, 11-year-olds to 18-year-olds. Mm-hmm. And... One, because we see some posts that are very inappropriate. Yep. Younger girls. I have a 14-year-old girl, too. Mm. So we see some of that kind of stuff. Very tough. Image is crazy. So in the first time in in history, we can look back after somebody dies, and we can see the story of Glenn or the story of Troy or whatever. Um, And what I said to them was, do you want your story to be told that it was just booty pics? Is that the image that Ooh. you want? Is that yeah. is that the is that what you really really want? If somebody's gonna remember you, what are they gonna remember? Are you okay for? with that being? Yeah, yeah. and you know, thinking about my um, at my dad's funeral, overhearing people saying like, "What are we gonna do? Like, Roger isn't here anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, we're gonna have to hire like a few more people just to do his just, one job, yeah. and it probably still won't be as good." So when they so to yeah. overhear people at my dad's funeral talk in that manner. Know, to know that his legacy was hard work. Yeah, and I'm sure those people were also of like, they were hard workers too. I can imagine. Like they weren't just your. Cut no construction case, guys. Like, you know. Yeah, they. Many, they you get the good work. The good eggs are, are good. You know. Yeah. So, um, so just for me to see that and to see that you know and that going back to it, just saying that you know the first time in, in history that yeah. everyone can record their their life or the span of their life year over year. Um, and to just show the highlight reels, I think we're really kidding ourselves. That's fair. That's a good point. I think we're really that. kidding ourselves. Yeah. And I think it's important to put those failures, but we're so worried about how we're going to be judged from those failures. Mm-hmm. Meantime, we see so many people uh, so worried about how many hearts they're going to get on a picture. And it goes back to us you know, being apes, trying to share things, because it feels good to share something. Yeah, absolutely. So, it feels good to make someone we hey I know you're really happy to get this so I'm gonna give this to you yeah so exactly. and it makes us happy yeah but there's so little um, 
give back when it comes to tacking on a little art when it comes to social media that we have to do it so often just to get a brain response. Yeah, people don't even read it. No. I watch my son just that, 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 over and over and over. I'm like, do you even, do you even see that, John? No. Like, you have no idea what they're saying, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, I think it's really important for people to put on what they've learned. Almost use social media as that, that journal on whatever you feel comfortable putting out. Right. You know, to not just put out the highlight reel, but to put on the lowlights. Because you get somebody that might be able to uh, carry on one more day from a negative response that maybe you put out. Because I'll put out some stuff on mental health, not as much as I have in the past. Um, and when I do do that, I get a DM almost every time I do. Thank you so much. I really need to hear that. You still have those up, right? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Not too much yeah, to take down. Yeah. Um, there's other one. I'm going to be posting more of that because. Sick. I was just about to say. Yeah, just this time yeah. of year is always kind of tough because you know, <laughs> dad. Yeah, dad passed a couple days before Halloween, so the kids still. Yeah, everything's still kind of too yeah. fresh. Yeah, and it's and that was years ago. Yeah. Um, and you know, my journey through that grief is everyone's journey is much different. Yeah. So I think it's important everyone to, to understand that. Um, so, yeah. a lot of uh, there's a surplus of information out there and that's kind of why as of late I've been posting and I made a post about this recently but that's kind of why and I try to steer away from almost not per se avoid what you're doing when you do that but to almost I don't think a lot of people read what I put so there's a lot of I know I have the few people who do and the few people who do like tell me about it um, but I'm I don't want to put myself out there for nobody to see it but at the same time I kind of I'm trying to do this opposite thing like every day I post a joke right it's an awful dad joke like today I put on yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was going like a cheese factory exploded <laughs> in awesome. France debris was everywhere <laughs> I was like it was amazing right and I got people <laughs> responding with more jokes for me so I don't actually have to research any research one put it up and everybody's just responding like oh thank you I just go to all my dms are filled with jokes so it's the best but there's a surplus of information out there and i think a lot of it's there's so much of it that now everybody could be considered as an expert in any field because there's too much well and it's so so we'll see and i'll see posts and now cool stuff on other mediums like tiktok whatever like one of the things that they do really well is that you can I can, if you said something in a, in a field that I'm very confident in, mm. so somebody's going to say something about nutrition that yeah. is absolutely left field, well, I get to make a video with you saying something, and I get to cite references, I get okay. to say my, my two cents on the true side, not the bullshit. And, yeah, and a lot of times we've seen those posts come down because of the nonsense, like so many, yeah. uh, hey, you shouldn't eat this and this because of this, and then I go, yeah. Uh, well, this is the truth. Actually, this doctor so and so said this. Yeah. You know, so you can look up this. He studied here. Yeah, like and it's just, and we get that opportunity oh. to do that. Like, just because people have a voice, mm -hmm. a lot of times doesn't mean they should use it when it comes to something they don't understand. Right. And we've seen that since day one in the fitness field. Mm -hmm. And I always like saying it just because have somebody has abs doesn't mean they know how to get you yours. Right. It's completely Fair. irrelevant. 
you know, that person could be an 18-year-old with abs making all these posts online, and someone says, well, shoot, I want to look like him or her. Let's ask the person so who has it. Has it, instead of lo learning. Like, the people that I get to call colleagues, like, no one's even heard of. But meantime, they've got people who've won gold medals, the Olympics, multiple times, yeah. or are sought after by countries to improve their... Their overall fitness. Yeah, now. so... Wow. You know, people, but you'll see many coaches, high-level coaches, their social is, like, so dog crap because they don't care about that. Yeah. It's the journey of coaching is what they're passionate about. Not what they're putting, not what everybody else is. Yeah, and I'm not saying that many, especially in my field, many fitness people don't know what they're talking about, but there is so much crap out there. Yeah. And there's so many, like, uh, opposing trains of thoughts. When, when it comes to real fitness, like, the beauty's in the middle, you know? Yeah where we have opposing thoughts of veganism and carnivore diets. And then we have powerlifting versus yoga. And we have like, we can take all of that and do really well. You know, that moderate, we, to have that moderation in everything, even how many times we train, how much we go out, how much we rest, all of that, we'll get much further ahead with that than we will on opposing sides. So to have, have a plan, but make it a bit flexible, to allow for some of that. It doesn't have to be polarizing. But we see so in social media, uh, those polarizing people are, or authorities are always the ones that have the most followers. Yeah. It's weird how it works that way. There was, and you might not remember, you might remember this. Um, there was something you said to me that stuck since you said it. And this was kind of what triggered my inspiration to reach out to you to be on the show was it was I was trying to find for lack of a better term motivation because I don't I think it's whatever but it was I just wanted to go do something that like something to put myself at a just a bit closer athletically athletically to a goal and it was like a Friday and I was just like nah like it's like nine I want to go like for a run or a walk or a bike but I'm like it's dark whatever and I'm like making these little excuses I'm like, well, I don't really need to. I trained three times already. I'll train twice this weekend. Like, I'm going to get my numbers in that I want. Cool. And then I thought back to something you said where we are here. I was over at the corner by the garage door. And I said, hey, do you, like, it's 7 o'clock in the gym right now. You have me and, like, an older lady, I think, at the time was a client as well. Have you got the two of us? It's 7 o'clock on a Friday. I just got here. We're here for like at least another hour, hour and a bit. How do you feel about that? Like it's it's Friday at eight and you don't like don't be getting out of here late and you're like you said something of like if you wanna do if you wanna get to where you gotta go, you gotta put in work. Not when no one's watching, but it's you gotta be okay with sometimes no, it was simple. It was more simple than I'm making it out to be. It was like I you have to be okay with working late on a Friday just it is what it is man yeah and when that you'll see those elite levels yeah and so it's again working away from the lights yeah and one of the best athletes I've ever worked with um, it was one of those experiences with her mm -hmm. that really I get goosebumps even just kind of thinking about nice um, it would be us only us in the gym left late late Friday like and lights after. off half the gym midnight well we're getting like so and it's just her and i two yeah. two and a half hours sometimes so yeah but well 
she was okay with it yeah. because oh. she had a goal, and that was it. That goal was to make the national team. And she did, I'm assuming. Well, got close. But she was okay with it because she knew she did everything. Everything you can. So yeah. to know that, see, I can't ask things from my athletes that I'm not willing to give. Hence, only that few amount of time I've had off in like seven years. That makes sense. I'm not going to say, you have to give your all, but I'll see you mm -hmm. Tuesday. Because I don't take Friday and Monday off, so check, I'll check you. Yeah, like, how, let me know how it went. Yeah, how would that look? So if I'd say, you have to be willing to do whatever it takes. But I'm only going to do 60%. I'm going to leave right now, yeah. you stay around for your hour. How would that make you feel? <sighs> Golly shit. Well, just, like, he doesn't care. Exactly. Yeah. And I have to show, I have to prove to you as an athlete that I care mm -hmm. by putting that time in, by being side by side. I can't do the work for you. No. But I will stand there, shoulder, not like behind you, I'll stand yeah. shoulder to shoulder with you. Um, and just in that proverbial battle, to know that you have someone in your corner because sometimes we don't have that. Right. Sometimes somebody coming into the gym, uh, fitness kind of facility, whatever you want to call it, um, this is the best part of their day. Yep. Yeah, I can say that. You know, when so the best part of their week, everything else in their week is so negative and so shitty. Their life is horrible. We don't know the battles that people are facing. Like right. people don't know the battles that I had this past year, and it's stuff right. that I'm not really willing to yeah, share you yet. But. It was the worst, going through what I went through, it was the worst year of my life. But I still showed up every single day. day. So, I can't say to you that, hey, I need you to do this to be successful, so I'm not going to be there with you. Because mm -hmm. I have to prove to you that I care first before you're given the room mm -hmm. like to, to breathe in that environment. Instead of you yeah. going in and me kind of being behind you, I'm going to see how you do. No, I have to have the trust that you're going to do it first. Some people don't, some people do. Yeah. But if we give people that room and give people that that love and that, that caring, yeah. you'll be surprised what people can do because a lot of people just don't have that in their life. They don't have that positive person. Like I've had one, one kid that's always going to stick with me. High school kid, we started a, a program, a fitness program at a French high school. Okay. And uh, he, he came to me and he said, Coach, the only reason why I'm coming to school is because of this. Wow, how did that feel? I cried oh, a lot. It took me everything to hold it in front of him. And that's awesome, man. I turned around, oh, I went to my car and bawled. Yeah, I can just, imagine. Just to feel Great that, feeling, just yeah. to say, and it was like a 30 minute, 40, maybe 40 minute training like session. seven hour day. Yeah, he wow. just, so for him, it was worth the shit school, that, or the time that he spent in school to spend for that little brief part of his day. So oh, that was the geez. best part of his day. He was willing to stay at school because attendance at school is mandatory. Yeah, it's so you couldn't you miss and then show up. It was worth it. So if you were late or whatever, <sighs> didn't matter. So I get that reinforced that idea of give yeah. people that room. Interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. That's kind of. I feel that's the reason a lot of people would get into like when it comes with working other people, especially children. It's like that must have felt incredible. Yeah, and it's, see, I like, I've always liked those challenges when it comes to different clients. Yeah. I've had uh, brain, uh, brain injury survivors, um, cancer survivors, um, and of course, world champions. Yeah. And there's so many similarities behind all of them. So when it comes to, like, the two main people that I've had really close relationships with mm -hmm. uh, one of the brain injury survivors she was ejected from a car she was in a coma for a long time 
doctors said that she would never walk away from her walker ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, it took us a year and a half, but she walked with like urban walking up to wow. sticks basically. Yeah. But she was able to walk away from her walker using a seat. Took us a year and a half. Yeah. But it's her dedication to the protest to get there, right? Yeah. And then a uh, cancer survivor. It was uh, her. Uh, she she couldn't open up a bottle of water because it was her strength was so low. Yeah. But on her last day, she was standing here, and she couldn't even get because her chest was so tight from radiation. Her arms were so tucked in. Her husband or her daughter always helped yeah. take her jacket off. Well, on her last day, she stands there looking at me, unzips it, takes her jacket off. Her husband hands her a bottle of water, you know, tear in eye, and she's like, What? I, I, I what just, is going on? You know, I hugged her, hugged him, That's hugged incredible. her. That's incredible. Wow. Yeah. What? That's so, wild. And it was the same feel. I can't say same. Very so close to the same feeling in a different way of yeah. being able to hold on to the Stanley Cup or, like, wow. be side by side with many other champions. You know? Yeah. Um, so to give people that love that you know someone's saying you're never going to insert yeah. something here walk away from your walker open a bottle of water by yourself um and i can give anyone the most perfect plan but if they're not going to put their effort into it yeah. it doesn't matter what that plan looks like whether it's to open a bottle of water or to win at the highest level win the Stanley cup yeah wow well troy i think that's a great way to end cool <laughs> sure. i know you uh, think that's, yeah, that's uh, awesome puts everything into a perspective and I understand where your energy and your drive comes from and I'm sure everybody watching and listening will enjoy the crap out of what you've been saying. I know I did, so I really appreciate the time, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, guys.